What's seven squared? Uh, is this some sort of trick question? No, v very simple, very straightforward. What's seven squared? 49. Fantastic. You're smarter than a certain Twitter account that tweeted in an attempt to troll Hoyland, failing to score in 14 straight Premier League matches. Quote, Hoyland is 007 squared. Wow, that's, that's a Hall of Shame performance right there. Well, I saw another tweet that said something along the lines of, the miscalculation was not his true error. His true error was deleting the tweet once he realized he was wrong in his math, rather than confidently keeping it up and waiting until Hoyland goes 49 Premier League games without scoring. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, I mean, the real loser is Hoyland for not scoring in 14 consecutive games. But it and really does go to show how you can interpret one of that in so many different ways, huh? Oh, yeah. Anthony, of course, doing his best to, to keep him company. And Nkunku, of course, uh, shattering all potential allegations of 007 in his first yeah, Premier League Kunku, game. Kunku recognized the danger and acted quickly, didn't he? Oh, yeah. So, my name is Jacob. And my name is Jayang. And welcome back to this latest episode of the FPL Fortress, coming to you on Christmas Eve. So, should we get started with the Game Week 18 review? We, we have a lot to cover, don't we? Oh, yeah. There's, there's a lot. We should start probably with the headline fixture of the, of the weekend. Or no. Yes, it was the weekend. I'm getting confused with all the midweek fixtures. Uh, Liverpool won, Arsenal won. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a lot that can be said for both sides. But I, th I, think, I think it was a pretty entertaining game. But it wasn't because both teams were especially impressive, in my opinion. I agree. It wasn't like a... It wasn't one of those instant classics, yeah. was it? I mean... I remember a few years ago, every every time City and Liverpool took the pitch together, you, you can tell that every player showed up ready to play at the top of their game. And it was just, you know, the pinnacle of of the sport. But, I mean, it's it just didn't feel like that with Liverpool and Arsenal. I mean, there, there certainly was a lot of action, but it didn't feel like it was because of any sort of individual brilliance. It was mostly just mistakes. That's a pretty accurate characterization of what happened, I would say. And I would also say that, I don't know, I, I, I was, I was going to say like every player from those City Pole classics of old really deserved to be on that pitch. Whereas, or like the, the quality at which they played merited a game of such standing. Whereas, you know, you look at, you look at uh, what happened this past weekend, and you see Zinchenko getting his insides turn out time and time again, making mistake after mistake, and it's it's just a bit. And I mean, you compare uh, what's his face, Gakpo, and and Diaz to to Mane and Firmino, and I mean, it's, it's just it's just not. Yeah, Salah was out there alone, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you'd be tempted to say that. Uh, going up against Saad was Zinchenko's welcome to the Premier League moment, but he's been playing at this level for seven years. There's no more excuses for him. I yeah, yeah, and I'm I mean he's come up against Salah while playing for City at left back, right? I, I, I'm sure he has at some point. Yeah, well he he 
yeah i mean wasn't there this this interview i wasn't there this interview where he was asked about facing Salah and he said like it was over for him? I I don't remember that, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not sure if that's true, but but maybe. It's it sounds plausible, which I think yeah. says a lot in and of itself. Yeah. Should we uh should we mention uh Declan Rice and and his his just aura that uh, that prevented that uh, that four v was it four v two five v two five v two which from, I I had never seen before. Yeah, like I I was I was so confused when I saw that live, and especially the frame before Declan Rice was even shown on the screen, you you thought that it was like four Liverpool players sprinting towards just uh just Raya. Allison, no basically yeah Raya, Raya excuse me. <laughs> And then yeah, Rice just appears, and I—I I mean, I—I th- I think it's too much to say he alone prevented the goal from happening. But I, he was he, his backtracking was done with excellent positional awareness. I would yeah, say. I mean, he—he he certainly did all he could, mm-hmm. and that—that that shouldn't be confused with saying he did enough, because Trent s- should have scored that. It wasn't Probably. enough to prevent what should have been a certain goal, yeah. but. I mean, you know, you can't do anything more than that, really. Yeah. I also think maybe Salah wasn't in terms of the both. No, I, I think he picked the right pass. Yeah. I think he did. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But you just, could tell. Just a side note. Yeah. Did you, did you see when uh, I, I think I think Chelsea had a 3 on 0? And. Yeah. And, I, and I sure they, did. They fluffed it. And I sure did. were saying Declan Rice is insane. Yeah, yeah. I, I unfortunately had to wake up to seeing the score between Wolves Chelsea be one nil in the eighty seventh minute, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, no point in even turning on the game because I know how this one ends." And yeah, Sterling. Can it get more Sterling than that? I mean, I I think that might have been. Officially, the moment that every Chelsea fan realized what every City fan has already known for mm. for so many years. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I was gonna say if 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 Harry Kane and Cole Palmer looked anything alike, which they don't, then maybe Sterling could a defense of Sterling could be. Do do you see what I'm trying to get at here? Not not quite. <laughs> no, okay. Well, because obviously, uh, I believe it was in the 2018 World Cup, Harry Kane could have squared it to, to Sterling, but he decided to shoot himself, and it did not result in a goal. So, you know, if if in this circumstance, Sterling thought Palmer was Kane, it could be construed as Sterling trying to get revenge on Kane for not squaring it to him all those years ago by not squaring it to, so to that's Palmer. That's a far-fetched theory. But 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 it, it falls flat on its face because I think Palmer looks nothing like Kane. I think Kane is is a much better looking fellow than, than oh, Palmer, of course. All things considered. <laughs> I, I think I think we both have a lot to say about one more topic from that game. And that is oh, yeah. Osaka. Let's do it. You particularly. Yeah. I mean I mean I, I was I was watching him go up against Liverpool's backup left back, Costas Simicas all game. And 
and I, I was just left with the impression of like what what does he offer <laughs> like like what what is he and I, I'm, I'm not i'm not trying to say he's a bad player i i think like when you look at him i mean he's certainly very good on the ball he you know he's not bad at you know cutting it back to to players in the middle he's an okay shooter by by premier league standards but i i just don't see anything in his game that would suggest that he can be one of the two or three best players on a team that wins the premier league hmm I mean, it's it's like, do you think anything has changed about him as a player? Like, was he did he used to have that extra something, and that and now he's lost it? I mean, maybe the one thing I can I can perhaps point to is he used to be a bit quicker, because, but like, but like not really because he's what twenty something, early twenties. I mean, I I think I think Arteta is arguably playing him too much or running him to the ground a bit. Maybe he's right. temporarily lost a bit of the burst. But, I mean, even still, I mean, he's never been even an above-average athlete in the Premier League. <laughs> he's always relied on his on-ball ability. Right. And I just don't really see it with him. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm sure we were all singing his praises in the, like for all of last season when he was being doing extremely well as an FPL asset and as a footballer. No, I, I, I do agree with that. And I'm, I'm confused. Genuinely. That's my, yeah. my primary emotion. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how a player like that put up like 14 goals and 11 assists last season. Mm, mm. Cause I, I just don't understand. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it has something to do with Arsenal as a whole. I think compared to, I think they were a lot more fluid and more uh, uh, unrelenting and just free in their attacking uh, last season. Whereas this season, I think Arteta's kind of adopted a, a more measured approach. And I think you kind of see Saka pushed a bit even further wide um, to the right wing. And just his his main... I don't know. Yeah, I, I remember seeing seeing the Brentford game with you and... All that was happening was Saka was just on the right and did a couple dribbles and just spammed crosses into the middle of the box, which like Jesus and Martinelli and such were not. Am I, I mean, am I, am I wrong in my assessment of him? I think, I don't know. I, I did I did also see this comment that was like, you can tell that Saka has never, has always played academy football. Like he's never played on the streets, which which I think is, is a, a pretty pretty damn accurate statement to make because you can tell that he like would you call him so i wouldn't call him saucy no i i, I well, what i'd say to amend that is that i i think saka has always been playing on the better team throughout his whole career. okay mm. and i think he i i think in in many ways he can thrive when he has good players around him and you know he can demonstrate that his team is better than the team he's playing when the team he's playing is a bad team but when he comes up against other good players yeah i i just think he struggles a lot mm. so he's reliant on the system 
reliant on the system, reliant on the people around him being better than the people he's going up against. Mm. And when that's in place, he can be better. He can he can elevate his game to those standards. But mm-hmm. I I just don't know if he can do that in the toughest games. Interesting. Interesting. It reminds me of the Sir Alex Ferguson quote comparing Ronaldo and Messi, where he said Ronaldo can do it anywhere in any team, whereas Messi needs Suarez, Jordi Alba, those players around him, which is obviously very funny in the moment, given that Luis Suarez has just signed uh, a one-year deal with Inter-Miami, and so Messi is rejoined by Suarez, Jordi Alba, and Busquets in, M- in MLS. But that's besides the point. I-, I think the GOAT debate might be a topic for another episode. <laughs> is that is that all of your scathing commentary on, on Bakaya Saka at the moment? I, th- I think that. I don't know if we've reached a definitive conclusion, yeah. but I think I've aired my grievances. Just real quick, I mean, what is it? One goal in the last eight? Why do we even have him in our FPL teams as a nine million pound asset? I mean, for one, who else are you going to spend the money on? For another, I mean, you know, for better or worse, he has put up numbers in the past. And I think on some level, it makes sense to respect that, even if you don't really see how he can continue doing it. Hmm. I, I mean, I'm not sure how much it depends. Yeah, it depends how much weight you put on the past for different players, and it's hard to qualify exactly. But I, I remember like he scored what like two two eight pointers in a row, and I didn't own him, and I was just like, and his EO was relatively high, and I was just like, I gotta get him in, and so I took a minus four for him, taking out Alvarez, and I don't. I've, just looking back, like I don't. I don't understand why. I felt so much panic and such an urge to to get him back in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we have many other things to cover, so this will be the last comment I make. But as an FPL asset, I mean, he he's proven that over the course of the season he can accumulate points. But I mean, at, at the end of the day, in in this format of the game. It's not just about how many points you end up with at the end of the season. I mean, James Ward-Prowse has has consistently proven that he can end up with, you know, 150, 160 points at the end of the season and be, you know, a top 10 midfielder for a pretty decent price. But there's never any particular span when you really feel like he's going to be one of the five most valuable players to have, you know? Right. Yeah. And I almost feel like it's a somewhat similar phenomenon with Saka. Mm. I suppose that's also a, another conversation, whether or not you can just, you know, just having a James Ward-Prowse take along in your team for the entire season. But anyway, um, I watched a bit of Luton Newcastle. Newcastle continue their horrid, horrid away form. This is, I I think after this result, it's, this season, it's one loss. Sorry, uh, one win, two draws, and I want to say seven, maybe seven losses on the road, which is really bizarre. Really, really bizarre. Because I know, I know you've mentioned your uh, queries about why there seems to be such a 
such a such a difference between playing at home and playing away and i mean no i mean there is Can't yeah yeah and like exist. Right. And I mean, even if you can't find an explanation for it, just time and time again, different teams come to prove that that fact. And yeah, Luton came out the out the gates just flying at Newcastle. They Newcastle could not get a could not get a foot in, really. After ten minutes, Newcastle weathered the storm. They began to knock it about, but then Andros Townsend can't believe he's still kicking a football, but good for him, I guess. I just remember him for that volley he scored against Silly City. Yeah, that was crisp. Yeah, that was crisp. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's two conversations with Newcastle. One is that they do struggle without their home support backing them, mm. but they are also ravaged by injury. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are a shell of of their former selves. I mean, that's really fair. Yeah, you know, and I I think it's tough to separate the two. You know, because, I mean, th- this is such a brutal part of the schedule. I mean, they are missing so many of the most, imp- most important players. Realistically, all the other key players are playing at a diminished state just because they've had to accumulate so many matches in such a short amount of time. Mm. And it's 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 difficult to know whether they... I mean, any any loss to Luton, even at, at their home ground, is frankly inexcusable for a team looking to challenge for top four, mm. but it's, it's hard to know whether that's that, that specific game is more of a, you know, a deep, deeper symptom of just the, the constant pile of injuries or actually problems with playing away from home. Yeah. Well, they have, people are starting to come back. Dan Byrne is back. Botman is back. I think Cher is back for now. But no, yeah, he 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 played. Hamstring is probably going to go anytime. Hopefully, if he if he, if he tries another one of those thirty yard shots, <laughs> God forbid. Yeah. But yeah, Newcastle. I don't know. Sometimes they just never seem to get going. Yeah, yeah. I think, and and maybe this is a bit of a simplistic analysis, but it does seem like they they really do like they they don't have that type of mentality when they can where they can just you know lock in full intensity you know whenever it, it seems like they need something to kind of get them going before they really mm. kick it into high gear yeah yeah i would agree with that somebody who did kick it into high gear was dominic solanke who jesus christ i mean what what, what no, a his, guy. his what name a is decent. actually dominic solanke not jesus christ <laughs> But a, a classic error. I wouldn't fault you for calling him Jesus Christ because, oh my gosh, 11 goals, 17 Premier League games. He is, he's cooking. He's cooking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite funny to me. Just a week after being, you know, the, the center of FPL, the FPL world for, you know, all the, all the shenanigans with the, the Luton cancellation. It's, he's now, you know, the biggest story just because he's, he's playing his ass off, really. What a hero. What a hero. And I mean, yeah, it's just funny. All those people who are like, "Oh, we should get the transfer reversed and get an extra transfer." No, they're they're pretty happy with. Oh like, yeah, I reckon. Oh yeah. And I should say, this is probably the most successful transfer from me that I just remember ever. I had Isaac and Gordon flagged before the deadline. I was like, "What do I do? I don't know what to do." 
I decided I wanted to keep Gordon longer term. Isaac was more less secure with minutes. As it turns out, Gordon started, even though he didn't return, he started. Isaac started off on the bench. Um, and Isaac ended up with one point, Solanke with 17. So 16-point gain is finally feels pretty good. See it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Should we briefly touch on United? Should I mean, we? <laughs> it's it's almost like like there's nothing we there's nothing left to say. I mean, the the story is, has has stayed the same throughout mm. this entire season. And you know, they they have no identity, they have no direction. They're horrifically inconsistent. They can't gain any, you know, forward momentum. And it's it's almost like nothing's changed. So is it, is it even worth talking about? I don't know. Maybe not. I think just, you know, there was that period of time where they got what, four wins in the last five matches, but that was not even because they were playing well. It was just because some things were going their way. But And they were playing some pretty, you know, some, some not so great teams as well. Right. All right. So, so perhaps not. If there's a deviation, either for, for better or even though this somehow, is quite un- for unfathomable for worse. Yeah. Yeah. Chelsea. I mean, it's, it's really the same story for Chelsea, it, I think, but worse somehow, somehow. Yeah. Actually I mean, inexplicable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do, do you, do you think Pochettino deserves more time? I, hmm, I, okay. I think Nkunku is going to cook. No doubt about it. I think Sterling being suspended for next next week is on balance. Addition by subtraction. Addition. Yes. Yes. Perfectly put. And except like you can't really you can't really give him that many excuses either. He's gotten the money to to get Enzo and to get Caicedo and to get Jackson and to get players. I mean, yeah. From from an outside perspective, I think the confusing thing is that it seems like at least from the 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 positive PR that is filtering into my Twitter feed, it seems like quite a few of these transfers have been successes. Like it seems like Enzo's been all right, especially in the games I've watched. I mean, Palmer's obviously been a pretty good player. Yeah. Um, Caicedo's been up and down, but I think on the whole he's been not bad. Gallagher is a a complicated story, but I think ultimately a player you can win with. And it's just not gelling at all. Right. It's also very curious. I mean, I I really don't know the answer, honestly. It it is like yeah. I, I I don't know if. You know, top down, there's just not a clear enough transfer, you know, strategy in place to try to get players that fit together. Or if you're just like, you know, just accumulating flashy signings without any real plan. Do you think that might be what's going on? Maybe. But, I mean, as you said, transfers haven't panned out so badly. And it's, I don't, it's even, because like, we'll put in a nice comfortable 2-0 against Sheffield United, and the next week it's just like a drab 1-0 until the 90th minute against Wolves. Granted, the the 2-0, the first half of the 2-0 wasn't 
a particularly good performance, but just I just don't understand how I don't understand how we can be worse than what Man United is going through. We're like, aren't we like six points behind them? Let me check. It's just, I think we are. I think we would have been three points behind them if we, if we had won. But United are eighth with twenty eight points, and you're tenth with twenty two. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you are closer to the relegation zone than the top. <laughs> grim scenes, grim scenes. We are top half still, which is a, a win in my sure, book. Sure, sure. Yeah, take the small ones. Should we move on to dilemma deliberations? Let's do it. This one's going to be pretty packed, I yeah, think. Yeah, we have a lot of, in my opinion, very interesting things to cover. Yeah. I'm excited. Totally. So the first the first thing is a bit of a larger, larger topic revolving around decision-making methodology. Um, and we're going to look at it primarily through the lens of captaincy, but it can be extrapolated to um, decision-making about transfers and chips, I'm sure, in general. So I, I received a text from Jacob shortly after the, the Villa game that, that reads as follows. But it is frustrating that the two principles of only captaining elite assets and not making short-term transfers had been working so well, and then the moment I deviate, it all goes to shit. So do you want us? Do you want to talk us through? I guess the the two principles are pretty self-explanatory, but uh, talk about how you deviated from those two principles, why you did it, and uh, reflections now that the things that have happened have happened. Yeah. I mean, so I was going to go Holland to Watkins the last game week and I missed the deadline because I was working on the paper. And so I did the, 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 the Holland to Watkins this week, which was, I, I suppose, I mean, depending on how my, my striker situation plays out in the next few weeks could or could not be a short-term transfer. Because I, I might decide to go Watkins back to Holland or just roll with three strikers. So we'll see how that goes. But I think the the bigger frustration for me was um, just just thinking that Watkins, who you know leads a, a good but not great Villa team, is is the right was the right asset to captain against a bad Sheffield United team instead of a more proven player like Son or Salah. Mm-hmm. I feel like, but I mean, then you look at Solanke. He's by no means a proven asset. He scored a hat trick away to Forest. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, certain, certainly there are times when, when players with less of a pedigree do well. But I think the fact that it's, it's more just the fact that, you know, you, you notice it when a player like that does well. You notice it when a player like Salah blanks, right? That's kind of the way I see it. You know, I mean, if if you if you pick five other strikers, you know, versus Hollands, the odds are odds are that one of them will outscore Hollands in a given mm. week, mm-hmm. but Hollands will outscore the average of those strikers by at least a few points every mm. week, in my opinion. And I I think it's just that type of principle that I that I try to follow and that I didn't follow this week. Hmm. 
Reminds me of a slight, very slight tangent, but um, and a quick one. In econ, we were talking about uh, expected utility versus, sorry, the expected utility of income versus the utility of your expected income. I'm not sure if you've encountered that in the past. I don't think I have. No, but yeah, the the more yeah yeah yeah. I, actually, this this ties in quite well. The more. Uh, most people tend to be risk averse, um, and and so the uh, they they'd rather take the the utility of your expected income instead of uh, the expected utility of your income. And and basically, it's just that you'd re- like some people are even most people, in fact, are willing to pay some amount of money um, in order to guarantee like. Like you'd rather, uh, right? Or okay, yeah. Here, here we go. You'd rather get uh, five hundred thousand dollars for sure than uh, have a fifty percent chance of getting one million dollars, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 what it boils down to. So I think. I mean, I I, I I think there is. You have to say there is a difference in the real world of saying, you know, five hundred thousand dollars will change my life, and a million dollars will also change my life, but zero dollars won't change my life. Mm. versus you know over over 38 game weeks i'd rather i'd rather in you know in the real world i'd rather captain a player who's gonna get eight points than have 50 50 chance of someone either getting two or 17 right but in fpl in a 38 game season i think you take the the two or 17 and just let it play out is that so? I think I would. Ooh, so that's different then. How is it different? It is different because in real life, you take the you take the eight pointer, the guaranteed eight pointer. But I I don't think that I don't think that corresponds. I I think I think Holland. The the point is that some someone like Holland or Salah will. You know they're they're. Floor is higher and their ceiling is also higher. Okay. So 38 games of Holland is going to be better than 38 times I pick one of five other strikers. Because if you take five strikers, five okay strikers, one of them will probably beat Holland, maybe even two. In, in one game week, you mean? In In a given game week. Yeah. But I I don't feel confident that I could pick that one or two more consistently than just Captain Holland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that corresponds perfectly. No, but so- I, I don't think it does. <laughs> because <laughs> I mean I mean I, I I just I don't think that I I, I think I think. I'm having a little bit of trouble explaining this. Okay, that's. But I, I, my philosophy is that on average, captaining an elite player is just better. Like, like the expected value of that is mm-hmm. better than the expected value of a non-elite player. Yeah, ninety-nine and a half percent of the time. Yeah. So basically. Maybe we shouldn't spend too much time on this, but to basically, I mean, 
captaining the elite player corresponds to taking the guaranteed five hundred thousand dollars. Well, I mean, nothing's guaranteed in this game. Well, I, in but like when you have the two choices. I mean, are you ta- are you talking in terms of expected ownership, or in terms of actual points they're going to score? Expected ownership. So that so that doesn't factor in. It's just about the points. Yeah. Okay. When did when did ownership ever? Well, it didn't, but I thought that was what you might be alluding to. Oh no, I'm, I'm glad it didn't because that makes everything a lot simpler. <laughs> well, I, well, now I'm confused. <laughs> okay, so disregard that. Disregard that. Okay. But I I, I just think that Salah or Holland yep. or a player like that is is just a better bet. Not because it's any safer, but because it's better. But I mean, obviously you still have to take it on a week by week basis, right? I mean, yes, but that I think I mean, usually we talk about like three or four people in the captaincy section, right? Yep. And the third the third or fourth one, the third or fourth option, the first two are Salah and Holland. And the third or fourth <laughs> options are some other decent player with a great fixture. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. I would I, I think that you'd be more successful over a 38-game season, mm. captaining one of the two elite assets versus one of the decent assets with a great fixture. So you're advocating to always captain, always captain, either Salah or Holland. To, to as a default, lean towards that, I would say. And under what circumstances would you make an exception and go for the third or fourth player? I mean, I think... I mean, I'm not just going to, you know, I, I think everything is on a case-by-case basis. It sure is. It sure is. But, but okay, let's let's look at what happened just now. You had Holland was not a factor, so you pretty much, yeah. it was between, well, I guess Sun kind of straddles the middle ground between. Yeah, Sun does straddle the middle ground. As he always does. So you had either Salah at home to Arsenal or Sun at home to Everton or Watkins at home to Sheffield United. At home to Arsenal is a pretty difficult fixture, no? It's pretty difficult. At home to Sheffield United is a pretty damn easy fixture, isn't it? In a vacuum, yeah. Looking back, you would have gone for Salah. I mean, I think it's very easy to say I would have gone for Salah with the way it worked out. I'm not... Look, I'm I'm not convinced in this particular instance I made the wrong choice. Okay, okay. I'm just saying that as a matter of course, I think you'll see more success right. by making those types of choices. The types of choices that I made this week very infrequently. Okay. You're willing to admit that sometimes it may be the right choice. Sometimes. Okay. Okay. But on balance, overwhelmingly, one ought to go with either Salah or Holland and maybe Sun. Yes. Okay. I think that's pretty fair. Okay. I, th- I think we... I, I think we could have reached that point a bit quicker. But I, I think but, the process of parsing that out was quite fun. Okay. I'm glad, I'm glad we had fun. <laughs> Hopefully it was a fun ride as well. Should we 
dive a little bit deeper or in some respects is deeper in some respects it's much much broader to the to the to the tweet yeah so um i I usually i usually look through some of the some content creator threads you know in in advance of each game week just to get a sense of what people were thinking and when, when i was reading uh one tweet by by fantasy football Giambatra uh in his game week 18 thread i i I found it very interesting. I'd like to read some ex- some excerpts from it. Uh, he says, last week, that's game week 17, you were bombarded with the idea of Liverpool are going to maul Manchester United. How much of your own energy and thought did you truly give to the matter? Did you even consider all the different permutations this time around? Stop making so many decisions at the surface level. You are an intelligent individual. Put that intellect to use and start to break things down in a deeper manner. If you were satisfied with leaving more things up to chance, then then that is absolutely fine. Not a problem in the slightest, genuinely. But when things when things have the capacity to be in your control, you should take control. And he lists a few examples, such as the implications of Bruno being out of Man United's team, how Ten Hag set up Man United against Bayern Munich, how Liverpool function against teams like Bayern Munich, Man United, uh, how Ten Hag could allow for a slight overload on United's left-hand side, given Liverpool's specific attacking dynamic at times. And he urges us to to at least consider these variables if we want to be, you know, serious FPL managers that rise above the 10.5 million normal players. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what was your initial reaction to this? I My initial reaction when you sent me this was, wow, I feel seen. I feel exposed. It felt like he was going straight for me because because you bet I didn't really think about it. I, I was like, Salah's at home. Fantastic. Liverpool are a pretty good attacking force at home and they have the Anfield crowd. United have been really bad. Let's do it. Simple choice. I mean, and, I, I to be honest, I think I've thought almost all of those of those thoughts that I just shared. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Most, if not all. Um, probably all, honestly. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I, I think it, it's, it's interesting because I, I have no idea how Bruno being out of United's team will affect the number of points Salah scores in FPL. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have no idea how. Ten Hag might overload on United's left-hand side in a way that every other manager in the Premier League didn't. And I, I don't personally think it's a problem to admit that you don't know, you know, precisely what the statistical impact of those things are or could be. And to accept that and to not overthink it and to say, you know, this is a good player at home against a team that's been reeling recently and to captain that player. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I think that's very similar to my methodology that we've talked about before. But... With captaincy? Yeah. Can, can you make the, the connection a bit more explicit? I mean, I, I think when, when you have these, these differential captain type options that, you know, based on their specific circumstance, 
present themselves as as appealing options to ma- the majority of the fan base of the player base. Um, you know, I think I think like Watkins, for example, I think it's acceptable to say, you know, I, I don't understand, you know, the dynamics of of Watkins against Sheffield United. You know, I, I'm not sure how he's going to perform against a little block like that. And to say, I know that Salah is a good player. I know that he has proven that he can score against pretty much every type of team and Captain Salah. So, so you don't regret captaining Salah against United? No. No. But so even 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 though even though you didn't give all of these factors that that Gianbatra lists any consideration, even though your analysis of what you thought might pan out was wrong. Well, well didn't didn't pan out. Didn't pan out. Yeah. Or I was also gonna say like was rather surface level, like sure. the same as mine was and probably millions of managers. Even though that was the case, you think it's fine because the the reality of the situation is you and I and most managers don't have the ability to even consider all of these deeper factors that Jinbatra outlined. I mean, I, I I think we have the ability to consider them. I don't think... And I mean, it's it's on a case by case basis I, I, to some extent, but I don't think we really have the capacity to understand them. I mean, we, we I, I think I think with broader tactical trends, there is a possibility, but like with individual players being out and and things like that, I I, I just don't I I don't think that we can honestly tell ourselves that you know this player becomes you know this much more appealing as a captaincy candidate because of this one factor definitively mm. so that i mean that kind of makes me feel a bit it it uh Fills me with almost a sense of futility. I don't know if futility is. I, I'm. That's not quite the word. No, I, I. I do get that. So meaningless like, almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <sighs> what can we even do then? If if all of our we're just if all of our analysis or predictions are based off of surface level things that kind of are just common sense logic, then that's that's leaving quite a bit up to just. I've, that's like I don't know, revoking us of any potential. You know what I'm saying? Like any any ways that we can differentiate ourselves by showing our skill? Yeah, it's it's skews the 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 split between uh, skill and luck even more um, to the to the luck side. I mean, there there are two things I'd say about that. I think, despite what I just said, I think there are some opportunities to bring tactical analysis like that into the game and to use it to, to one's advantage in the right circumstances. But I think the second, the bigger thing is 
that admitting that you don't know something and that you can't know something still, if used right, can put you in a position to do well mm. by, you know, by if, if you say that, you know, I, I am not really sure about this and that I can't properly, you know, put a, put a number on, you know, a certain, you know, ch a, a chance of a certain thing happening. I think that just lends itself to a style of play that, you know, that gives yourself the opportunity to, to get lucky, if that makes sense. So when you, when you're unsure about, um, this, how like specific differences in this week versus the last week will affect the outcome of games, your tendency is to, to default, to fall back on the, you know, for example, just Captain Salah. And because that is, and I mean, it, that's that's like the default thing that you go back to for a reason. Because as you said, or as we said earlier, over the course of 38 game weeks, Captain Salah is going to probably do you very well. I mean, I, I think, I think you you need to, you know, when when you when you see a player, this is this is somewhat tangential, but a player mm -hmm. like Jude Bellingham, <laughs> okay, it it feels Rent like ninety percent of his goals are just like these kind of lucky like tap ins. It kind of just mm -hmm. falls to him, and he's in a position to to slot it away. Is that is that fair? So fair. But Bellingham knows what position to put him to put himself in that gives him the best chance of the ball happening to fall his way. Yep. The, in, the individual, the individual plays in which the ball falls his way, he gets lucky on those plays. <laughs> but he gives himself the chance to be lucky by putting himself in the right spots. Mm. And I, that's the philosophy that I try to play the game with. Right. Okay. Get so yeah, okay. Put yourself in a position to be like, mm. No, that that was not tangential at all. Okay, I'm glad. I, I'm glad. You're you're telling us all to be Jude Bellingham's in our FPL managering. Maybe we can win the win the Ballon d'Or one day. That's oh they I mean oh. they should. One day I'd love to see a an FPL Ballon d'Or be recognized. By, by France football, have Didier Drogba read out the the name of the FPL winner? That'd be that'd be that'd be fine. A great leap for the game. All right, so that was that was a lot of you know up in the air kind of philosophical talk. Our second question, and we are overshooting our projected time that we're spending on this, but so perhaps we'll try to condense this a little bit. Our second question, our second dilemma deliberation, we'll try to, well, I mean, this this is very much more practical. Was the idea of uh, revisiting the idea of distributing Holland funds to upgrade other areas in your team. So first of all, Holland isn't in full training yet, despite the the, the gorgeous picture he shared of, of of his muscles and his toe, which which looks pretty damn healthy to me, but he's not in full training yet, so maybe he he won't be back uh, before before Everton away. So let's just say he's back by game week twenty against Sheffield United at home. You probably want him in your team. You probably want to captain him. That's that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. So in order to do so, 
sorry. Um, I think it's 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 pretty easy to get them if you haven't distributed your redistributed those Holland funds already. It's very easy to get them back. But if you want to upgrade other areas of your team, get like a Trent or a Trippier, um, or upgrade your your seventh an attacker or get an eighth attacker, you pretty much have to sell either Salah or Son. Yeah. So, who is it going to be? And first of all, is it worth it to upgrade other areas of your team? And second of all, Salah or Son? I mean, by by upgrade, can you give an example of like a specific upgrade? Sure, sure. So, right off the bat, Simicast to Trent seems like a pretty simple one that a lot of people are going to be doing. I think I'm really tempted by it. Trippier, maybe not right now, but in 23 would be, seems like a pretty good buy. And in terms of uh, midfielders or forwards, you could certainly uh, upgrade. Like, uh, I don't know, Gordon hasn't really been on fire as of late. If you upgrade a, a Gordon to a Bowen, that's certainly another option. Yeah. So is, is it fair to say that getting someone like Salah out would allow you to make those two? Those two transfers, those two upgrades? Yeah, or I mean, it also depends on. I mean, it seems uh, dependent, of course, but yeah, it also depends how far you downgrade Salah. Yeah, All right. But I mean, da- downgrading Salah to someone in the six to seven million range that allows you to. I mean, I guess it depends if you make Holland part of your front three or part of a front two. Because mm. I mean, if you if you do just get Holland back for Watkins or Solanke, then it gives you quite a bit of money to use basically everywhere else in your team. But if you want to go, you know, replace him with, with your third bench striker, then I, I, I still I still think doing that and selling one or honestly both of Salah and Son to get dynamic players for these next four game weeks is the right approach. Mm-hmm. So think about, well, okay. First of all, I think I agree, but, mm, but you know, listen, you said you're all about thinking in the long term, right? Yeah. Silent and son are, are no doubt going to be back by El Sun, at least by like game week 25. And that's just what? Yeah. How many game four, weeks? Four, four game, game weeks? weeks? Yeah. Hold him on your bench. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I, I think doing that would save possibly two transfers. And in some cases, up to $0.4 million. So, you know, I mean, it's not like there isn't a benefit to that. But if selling Salah can materially improve your team for four game weeks, mm. materially improve your starting 11, I should say, mm. four game weeks, I think it's worth it. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the point of transfers and the point of, you know, building up team value is to get you points. Sure. And sacrificing points to build up team value or even even perhaps to save a transfer 
I don't know if that makes sense to me. But I mean, the, I think point is there's a line, and in this case, it's worth it to to cross the line, right? I think I think in this case, it it almost certainly is. Okay. Okay. And I guess it's just part of it is the number of games that they're out for, right? Because Holland was his injury was only projected to affect what two three game weeks. Yeah, I mean, given that he was out for the for the blank anyways, really too. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Salah and Son are basically they have four blanks in a row. You can't really discount the fact that they're blanks. Well. Anyway, sorry. The the okay. the, the, the distinction yeah. is not too important. It's gotten lost. Um, yeah. But I mean, I th- I think there there has to be some sort of balance between, you know, making future oriented decisions and attacking each and every fixture in front of you. Yeah. Because I think I think I've seen it in quite a few places that the the distance between each and every game week. Sh- it seems like it has an effect on the strategies that people take. It because, and that doesn't make sense to me. But it's it does seem like it does seem like when you know when when these game weeks are condensed, that kind of determines the perspective that people take. You know that, like. When there's all these game weeks coming up, it almost makes the game weeks feel less important than mm. when they're only every two weeks. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you're saying that shouldn't. It should because you know, I mean, when you have a game week like that, you have to attack it because it's an opportunity and a risk. Mm. Well, the the fact that the games are so close to each other also has a physical impact on the players playing in these games in short succession. Sure, 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 but. I think there's a difference between, you know, recognizing that the, these players are going to, you know, you might need an extra bench and physically, you know, adapting your transfer strategy to be either short term or long term mm. based on, you know, each game we coming up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, cool. So, so just back to the reality of the situation. First of all, between Sal and Son, would you be more inclined? Which one would you be more inclined to sell? I mean, you get more money from Salah, and I think that's you, a pretty good reason to sell him. It is, it is. But also, if you decide to redistribute all of the funds, it's harder to get them back. It's true, but the the only reason that you have a chance to redistribute those funds is because he's more expensive mm. so it, it gives you more opportunity to make it harder to get him back but it's, it just might require more maneuvers true but that's because you were able to make more initial maneuvers with the yeah. salad money than with the sun money yeah I guess it's just weighing how much more you can improve your team by the extra money you get from selling Sun. Uh, sorry, by selling Salah rather than Sun, and compare that with the extra moves that you have to make to get Salah back eventually. I mean, 
be, just because you get more money from selling salad doesn't mean that you necessarily will have to make more moves to sell other players. I guess so. I guess. I mean, I think it's it's still with with you know whichever one you end up selling, it's it's about you know just being smart and making sure you have a plan to get them back. Yeah. I mean, there certainly is more room to make mistakes by selling Salah mm. and then need to get him back, but it's also more opportunities with the extra money. Yeah. So it's just being smart about it, in my opinion. One ought not to rule out the possibility of selling both. I mean, I think I think four game weeks. I don't know if that's quite enough to necessitate selling both. Because if you can get seven good attackers, Trent Trippier, and then like two good defenders to rotate in that third defender spot. I mean, that's really all you need. Yeah. But can you get Trent and Trippier and seven good, like attackers who are all good? I feel like it should be possible. Yeah. I think it should be. I think you'd, you'd be starting Gordon and Palmer every week. You don't think those are good attackers? I, they're 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 pretty good. I'm, I'm still personally convinced by them. Yeah, I think so. Mm. But yeah. I understand if someone isn't. Yeah, and also, of course, is the money that you lose, the money that you're that you have tied up with Salah and yeah. Son. For both of us, it's yeah. zero point three million in Son and zero point four in Salah. Yeah, I mean, we we did talk about this, like how many points is the money in the bank worth. And mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, that's another thing that we'll probably never be able to have a definitive answer on. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that money exists to get you points and it doesn't make sense to give up points to preserve the money. Yeah. I feel like, well, I mean, you got to use it at some point, you know, yeah, but mm, this this could be extrapolated to <laughs> savings in real life as well. Somehow, I'm sure, but maybe I'm sure, not. I'm sure, maybe not worth it to. But I mean, there there isn't quite a game week thirty eight in real life. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, it gets passed on. It what? It gets passed on to you, to your children. I oh, that that's true. That's true. Like if you if you want to just like squander every single dime in your savings account <laughs> before you die, then that's an that's an approach. But usually people want to, you know, leave a nice little inheritance. Right. Right. Whereas in FPL, the end is the end. Yeah. What 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 would be, be that? Don't you don't have to answer this. We can just move on to captaincy. What would be the equivalent of a, a Roth IRA in FPL? Let's move on to captaincy. <laughs> okay. So we have we have I think a few decent options this week. I mean, I think based on our conversation earlier, you know which way I lean. But for those who take a different approach to the game, I think they'll have a lot to work with. So Yeah. Should we go through them? Let's do it. Starting off with your number one option, I presume. Salah away to Burnley. Yeah. I mean You know, I mean, obviously I think You'd rather cap in someone in a home fixture than in a away fixture in a vacuum. 
But, I mean, Liverpool are better than Burnley. Salah is a good asset. To me, I mean, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing I think of. But, I don't know. Are there any other, you know, big ones you'd like to persuade me on? Yeah, but, I, you know, I just feel like, like Liverpool, oh, sorry, Burnley are typically known as a low block team. And I know company has kind of tried to change that recently. But, I mean, you can remember instances in the past where you've captain Salah against Burnley because it's Liverpool and it's Burnley. And Salah just gets suffocated by by the low block. Right? I mean, I mean, that's always the risk. For sure. I, but yeah, I'm willing to bet that a player of Salah's caliber can find an opening. I, I, ooh. I mean, here's what I'll tell you. Since Salah came to Liverpool when? In the, the summer of 17, 17, right? Since then, he's played Liverpool one, uh, sorry, played Burnley one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Ten times. Guess how many goals he scored? Three. One. One. In his first game. Wow. In uh on uh, September sixteenth, twenty seventeen. Where do you find that? Oh, I just looked at the I went on Fought Mob and I looked at the head to head between Burnley oh. and Liverpool. Interesting. No no concerns? No, I mean I mean it's it's not risk averse. It's 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 that's not the right phrase it's not risk it's not foolproof is what i meant to say mm. but i i i just don't want to bet against tala to be quite honest is it a decision made out of fear More i think it's a decision made out of respect for sala respect respect now we're bringing these <laughs> ideals into the lofty ideals into the captaincy well, okay okay if, if you have all these doubts pitch me on someone else on someone else? Mm. It's a good question. It's a good question. Well, I'm I'm not sure about my personal, how convinced I am personally on on any of these options. But Sun away to Brighton. I will say Brighton have, this is baffling. They haven't kept a single clean sheet. Yeah. I'm not that baffled, quite frankly. Like, yeah, given that it's Deserbi's Brighton and the way that they played, like, not so baffling. But just the fact that a Premier League side has failed to, of Brighton's caliber, has failed to. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty shocking to me. Uh, obviously, Deserbi likes to play out from the back. And this is, I don't know, if if we call back to our, recall our, our conversation earlier about captaincy and, like, only employing surface level analysis. This is the type of surface, like just being completely transparent. This is sort of the type of surface level analysis without diving into the deeper contingencies. But I think they're all still valid, at least, you know, to some extent. Uh, Brighton, play out from the back, probably leaves Sun quite a bit of space to run in behind. I mean, there's a difference between, a, between being a playing out from the back team and a high line team. Okay. Brighton really a high line team? I I I get I guess what I should say here is I'm not exactly well equipped to to answer that. I mean I think I think 
certainly Brighton are not the most defensively sound team. No, <laughs> no. I, th- I think that's that's an easy thing to say. Um, I mean, it it it's it's not an awful it's not an awful pick by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Brighton certainly maybe they're not a high line team, but they're not a low block team either. Mm-hmm. They're not just gonna you know they're they're gonna try to you know assert control over the game when they can. Mm. And I think that I think that Sun will probably have chances. I think I think that you know I mean Richarlison well what I think you know Big Ange once he's once he started playing with Richarlison the nine I mean that's really you know put Sun where he should be on the left wing and that's really worked well for Spurs overall. But there's a difference between you know working well for Spurs overall and nece- necessarily giving Sun all this room to work with. So I'm not quite sure. Hmm. <sighs> yeah. I guess we don't see... Whenever you want to deviate from Salah or Holland, you always want the other player considering to have like a really plump fixture. And I don't think I would categorize Brighton away as being one of those. Yeah. I mean, let, let, me, let me look at Brighton's home record for a moment. Okay. At home, Brighton... <clears throat> Brighton have conceded 12 goals on 13 expected goals allowed, which ranks among home teams 14th in the league. Mm. So they're not an incredible home defense by any no. stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But they're not, you know, bottom of the barrel either. They're not like. Man United or Spurs, which are, are actually the second and third worst. You genuinely, yeah. For, for expected goals conceded at home. What two teams? United and Spurs. Spurs, really? Yeah. Wow. Read which which has nothing five. to do with this game. It's just quite funny, I think. Yeah. No. Re- read me the bottom five. Um. Luton fourteen point one, West Ham fourteen point one, United fourteen point three, Spurs sixteen point six, and Sheffield nineteen point two. Wow. Where are you getting this from? Fama. Oh, oh wow. Wait, yeah, we're gonna have to have a conversation after this. I mean, I I think part of that Spurs result might be the anywhere between four and seven expected goals they conceded against Chelsea. <laughs> but Fair. Fair. No, it's not it's not great. Yeah, is it? I'm sure a large amount of. Well, no, I was gonna say maybe a large amount of Brighton's expected goals conceded came from that six-one, but it wasn't actually that much XG. It wasn't, yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, you see, wow, that is a really big gap between everyone and Sheffield. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's probably the biggest takeaway. But. But Chris Wilder is back in town. I'm. I'm. Hopeful that he can engineer something, but I'm not confident. Yeah, the the I don't know if the the mantra of captain anyone against Sheffield United is is quite going to work out next week, given that they're playing Luton and I'm Carlton Morris. Sure. Anyone? Oh well, you, you clearly you don't follow Luton that much because he's lost his spot as of a couple of weeks Who's ago. Adebayo? It might, either Adebayo or Brown. What's his name? I think Jalen Brown. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I've I've seen Adebayo pop up with a couple of goals recently, so it's probably, oh yeah, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting West Ham being down there as well. Saka does play West Ham at home, but I yeah. think given the amount that we've berated him, probably steer clear. But I mean, probably he's, probably. he's got a nice, nice next four fixtures. Hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully, no. I mean, I, I think, I think, I, I mean, I, I just don't know what to make of Saka. Yeah. Like, despite everything I've said, I still wouldn't be shocked if he comes away with a 15-pointer against West Ham. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's put up numbers before, you know? Certainly. But it's just, you know, even though I wouldn't be shocked if it happened, do I want to bet against Salah, against Sun, that it's going to happen? I'm, ugh, I just don't know. Mm. I don't think I can. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we also need to just tailor expectations with Saka compared with last season, at least. Maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, two really outside the box shots, and obviously, so I'm gonna say Solanke at home to Fulham. Obviously, is uh, probably only put that up there because he no, definitely only put that up there because of the hat trick last game week. Yeah, I mean, I mean. It does feel a bit like chasing last week's points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, for one, Fulham aren't actually that bad right now. I mean, they had that two five no wins, but then kind of reverted back to being quite bad. Maybe, maybe. But I still, I don't know. I, I, th- I think Fulham aren't, you know, they're, they're not the yo-yo team they used to be, mm. at least. Right. I mean, their data away from them so far hasn't been great. They've they've given up the, the actually the second worst XG away from home. I mean, mm-hmm. I I will say I'm a little bit hesitant about solely relying on the home away splits because I mean nine games is not the biggest sample size. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I would need to dig into the data to know if the nine game if the nine team is still played away. How, how that stacks up against the rest of the league. So, I mean, we, we shouldn't base our analysis entirely on that, but it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then Trent? I mean, I don't think Burnley can score against Liverpool. <laughs> so, so it's a floor of six. That. There's that. I mean, I, I, I could see a scenario where Liverpool resort to... <laughs> Trent just swing in crosses <laughs> against a against a determined low block, but it it just it doesn't really feel like like <clears throat> despite that element of his game, I do think that Trent, the way he plays right now, as that as really I mean a defensive midfielder, is is probably a bit more suited to you know end to end games. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, when he can actually send through balls and bomb forwards and himself, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I, you know, certainly it's possible that he picks up an assist, but yeah, Burnley. I mean, I mean, their their whole game plan is about keeping those types of crosses out of their goal, mm. out of their box. Well, that's that's the Burnley we know under Sean Dyche. I mean, true, true. True. Um, I don't think a team like that completely loses their DNA. 
I mean, I mean, you can you can take Dice out of Burnley, but you can't. Take <laughs> Burnley, no wait, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Just swap it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Let's let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I remember I captained Trent once, ten points, one assist from a corner that he took. It was okay. It was pretty good actually. Not bad. Yeah, no, but I, mean, I, I remember mean, double digit hauls are always successes. They are, they are. I, I remember I was pooping myself though the entire game. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing about clean sheets. It's like like if you score a goal, you always have the goal, but clean sheets are gonna be lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think losing it. losing a clean sheet is way more disappointing than just not scoring. Like like I think especially if you've already gotten like the four points for after the sixtieth minute. Yeah, and then after the points hit, they get taken away. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a that's a bad feeling. Yeah, that's a bad feeling. Yeah, I'm I'm still not sold. Really, I just don't feel enthused about Salah. No, like, I I I I do get that. Yeah, but it's it's not even like I I, I think over any of Sun Sun Saka Slanky and Trent. I think Watkins last week was a better option than any of us. True. Okay. Yeah. True. 100%. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. So it's it's not like there's a standout option instead of Salah, which is right. why I I I personally will almost certainly be be devoting my my captaincy to him. But very fair, very fair. You know, I mean, I, I you know, it's it's like it's like I said. I think odds are one of them. Maybe even two of them will ask for him. But I'm not willing to bet on which one it is. Mm -hmm. And on that note. Yeah, I think that brings us to the end of uh, a spirited episode of the FPL Fortress. That was. I, I think I think we dove into the into the weeds of, of captaincy process in a way that I don't think we've really ever done before. No, yeah. I, th I think even though it was a bit convoluted at times, it was it was interesting to get those ideas out there, wouldn't you say? Definitely. Definitely. Very helpful to talk it out, especially. And I think talking things out in general just does does wonders. Does you wonders because yeah. it forces you to articulate, yeah. to uh, distill the thoughts in your head and articulate them. Yeah. No, I mean, there, there were times when I, I I hold a belief very strongly in my head. And then when I have to explain it to you, I kind of realized that it doesn't make as much sense as I thought. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So so I think that's valuable for me. But yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it was valuable for you listeners out there as well. What else is there to say? I think there's only one thing I have to say, isn't there? <laughs> okay. Wishing everyone a healthy green arrow. <laughs>